see each and every one of you today. I am so glad we're together, uh, literally and, uh, and figuratively. Gosh, we're, uh, we're here in this one service. We look forward to a, a great uh, opportunity to continue to be with one another as we uh, share in lunch a little bit later today. Uh, it's good to have this, uh, this homecoming. It's good to uh, be able to worship the Lord as, uh, as we've done. And so thankful, as always, for all those that uh, lead us in, in that endeavor. Well, Ashley and I are up to it again. We're going to attempt this uh, together. Uh, usually when you see uh, two people uh, together uh, trying to get across something, uh, maybe you're thinking about debate. Not today. No debate. <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're settled on what we're talking about today. Settled about the, uh, the importance of reaching out in the name of Christ to those who so desperately need to hear that good news. We, uh, we find ourselves uh, in the thick of this uh, sermon series on our vision and values. Uh, we, here in this first section, as we consider our vision, we consider our call. And we are indeed called to make a difference, certainly by following Christ, and also by offering hope. And so we have hope to, to offer. There's absolutely uh, no doubt about that. And our hope uh, clearly is in Jesus Christ. In fact, the hope of the world is in Christ indeed. So we, uh, we would all have to agree that uh, hope uh, is at a premium uh, these days. Uh, <clears throat> I have uh, found that, particularly as people are spinning out of, um, out of COVID, as all of us are, are facing very uh, serious and uncertain uh, economic times, as we, uh, as we find ourselves um, facing a, a war in a distant country, but a war in which we find ourselves very much involved, even if it would be tangentially, the war in Ukraine, uh, we, uh, we know that there is one climate ca calamity after another. Well, the list goes on and on. And all these things and so many more begin to erode that sense of hope, hopefulness in, uh, in our lives. And it's, if we allow it, then that hopefulness begins to become a hopelessness. And if that's taking place for us, those of us who espouse faith in Jesus, then uh, just think of others who do not cling to Christ as, as we do. No wonder we find ourselves in a hopeless strait. All of this hopelessness challenges us emotionally. It does relationally. And it even challenges us us spiritually, sometimes even eroding our faith. We wonder where God is in the mix of all of it. It's hard to see light at the end of the tunnel. No wonder hopelessness abounds. William Shakespeare once wrote that the, the miserable have no medicine except hope. We know that our hope is in Christ. It is the very thing that strengthens us it is the very thing that helps us to persevere regardless of the challenges that we may find ourselves, whether it be near to home 
whether it be in our community or whether it stretch across the world. We know that there is an inherent strength as we place our hope in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We know that our hope is in him. So we know that this good news, this good news of hope, trumps the bad. In Christ, there is every reason to be hopeful. In him, there is hope for the hopeless, and it is ours to share. Hope that has struck our lives and that has raised us up, has allowed us to live as a forgiven people, and has allowed us to move forward in the great confidence that, that God, through Christ, is present. That hope is ours to share. This is our witness. It is a part of our call to offer hope to those who are around us. When it comes to sharing, though, we're, we're all too tentative. How about it? All too tentative, all too cautious, all too uh, slow to really bring forward a good word about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We, we certainly do not want to be intrusive. We, we don't want to appear as holier than thou. We, um, we're contented to, to let someone else do it. You know, that, that goes way back to, to Moses. He said, ah, don't send me, send Aaron. Our call is to offer hope. We, we may even feel a little bit inadequate. I feel inadequate in that regard all the time. Let me tell you, I feel that inadequacy all the time, and I've, I've been to seminary, for goodness sakes. <laughs> We're all inadequate, save for the power of God that gives us the utterance to share just the exact word, to do the exact thing that needs to be done in the exact moment. It is in Christ that we need to rest when it comes to offering hope. Bill Hobbles encourages us in his book, just walk across the room to do exactly that, to walk across the room. Bill talks about uh, being in a, in a group with a, a lot of people, and he noticed in the, the mix of that, that, that knot of people there in the middle, that they're all conversing and, and, and having a good time, but he, he noticed that there were a few on the periphery, and he wondered about those folk. And Bill uh, took it upon himself, certainly at the nudge of the Lord, to just walk across the room and engage uh, one of those people. And eventually, as he engaged that person in conversation, took the opportunity, based upon what the conversation was, to offer the hope in Jesus Christ that was offered to that person. Paul encourages us to, uh, uh, to, to do as he encouraged uh, young Timothy, to preach the word, to be prepared in and out of season, to correct, rebuke, and encourage. To correct, rebuke, and encourage. To be ready in and out of season. Whatever the circumstance, however the winds are blowing, be ready to offer that witness of what Jesus is doing in your life. Just as Paul encouraged young Timothy, he encourages us as well. 
Peter offers a, a similar word in our passage for today. Let's hear it just now. We read today from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Will you hear this from God's word? Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, nor do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a, a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. This is God's word for God's people. So when it comes to offering hope, the question comes, if not us, then who? If not us, then who? It's not left to somebody else. It's not left to some missionary that goes worldwide or even decides to plant uh, in some community. No, it's, uh, it's left to, to us. It, it comes to us to give a reason, the reason for the hope that is in us. You and I play a pivotal role in, uh, in sharing that good news. Paul puts it this way in, in Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then can they call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You're among those who have those feet, bringing the good news of God's hope through Jesus Christ to those who are around us. And if we feel cautious and tentative, if we feel that it, it's really not ours, if God is for us, who can be against us? He stands to strengthen us with every word and in every action as we lift up the great good news that is Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. So Peter writes, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Before we can offer hope, we have to first know where our hope comes from. So, pop quiz, where does our hope come from? <laughs> this is where you interact. Where does our hope come from? <laughs> Real loud. Jesus, okay, so they're paying attention. We just have to kind of pull them in a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> so you paying attention, that's good. So first, we have to have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. We've had to pick up our cross and make a decision to follow him. And that's how we make a difference. We first make a difference by following Christ, and then we have that hope to offer others, which is, again, why we're talking about this vision. This is who we are as a people. 
So this picture is one that I show uh, in my act, in our active discipleship class. For those of you in the class, you're probably like, not again, we see that every single week. But the reason we see this is because this is um, the visual of what the gospel is. This is the good news. And the more we can see this, the more comfortable we're gonna be when people ask us, well, what is it that you actually believe? And so, and we teach this in confirmation too. So if, for our kiddos who've been through confirmation, you're probably seeing, oh, we've seen this bridge illustration before. So on the left-hand side there, you'll see humanity. Humanity is lost in sin. We're dead in sin. We have no hope on that side, nothing. And then on the right side, you see God who is perfect and holy, but God who has a deep desire for his people, a deep desire to not leave us in that hopelessness. And so in order to bridge this span of darkness and death that's between us and God, God sent Jesus the Father sent Jesus Christ to, as a way of atonement, to sacrifice, to die for our sins so that we would have freedom, so that we could experience his grace, and so that we would have eternal life. And then you'll see there on the top in green, there's a response for us. We respond to that gift. We can either accept that gift of grace and love, of deep trust, or we cannot accept it. But once we accept that gift, we're awakened to who God is, who God has always been in our lives. Even if we weren't awakened to who he was, we become awakened to the fact that he was always there, even if we didn't know it. And then once we've done that, that's when we can share the hope. The hope that overflows in us, knowing that we no longer live in hopelessness. That we have hope because of what Jesus Christ did for us. So that's why Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer for the reason for the hope that you have. To give the reason for the hope that you have. This is as big of a deal. It made me think of the in, in Thessalonians where it's always be in prayer. Be in prayer always. Always be in prayer and always be ready to share the good news. Always be ready to share why it is that you have hope. So last year around this time, we did a series called Unhurried. This logo then became um, what we use for our Act Discipleship Discovery class that sort of spawned out of that um, discipleship or that sermon series. And, and we use this picture because it's of this lady who's calmingly sitting in this very busy street while the hustle and bustle goes on around her. She stands out. She stands out in a good way. So I question today, how's it going with that? Are we standing out in the world? as people who have peace and comfort. Andy Stanley says, Jesus is the hope of the world, and the local church is the vehicle of expressing that hope to the world. Are we living our lives in a way that's causing people to wonder about us? Are people questioning why you remain so steadfast in the midst of chaos? Are people wondering how you remain calm and patient when things are falling around, around uh, falling apart around you? Has anyone asked you how you're making it, even though you have grief or pain or an illness or financial strife? Even, even more so when people ask you about the peace, the joy, the happiness you have in your life. Are we able to answer these things with the one simple word, Jesus? Are we able to point to him 
through the way that we are living our lives. Unfortunately, we all know that Christianity is in decline in the U.S. We can talk about a million reasons why. Tom touched on one. We're just tentative. We're, we hold ourselves back about talking about Jesus. But I want to focus on one. I think the local church is waiting for someone else to drive the vehicle. I'm not sure we're even in the vehicle sometimes. <laughs> we don't want anything to do with it. Evangelism is a scary word. I get that. It can, it can mean a lot of different things. And, and in, a, in a study that we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes, someone actually said in it, well, we just leave it to the professionals. Who are the professionals, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's not us two. <laughs> we are not the professionals, but I do think that's who people are talking about. But in this study, it talked about how 90% of Christians in the Christian community are not sharing the good news. 90% of Christians in the Christian community aren't sharing the good news. They're missing that we are all called, each one of us are called to be evangelists, even though that word can seem scary to us. Now, we learned a few months ago uh, in a sermon that I did before I went on maternity leave, so I'm sure y'all remember it, that that the unchristian, the non-churched people are outgrowing the Christian people. They now identify as non-Christian more so than there are people who identify as being Christian. So when Jesus told his disciples the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, we are living in that, hardcore in the U.S. today. It's an opportunity, though. It's a good opportunity for us. There's lots of opportunities, lots of people who are non-Christian that we can invite and talk to. But in a survey from Barna, uh, they asked a group of folks who were unchurched about being invited to church. And so here were the results of that study. 4% were invited and came. 23% were invited and declined. But here's the big number. 73% of the unchurched had not even been invited. Had not even been invited. Now, I'm not saying the only way we can share the good news and share the gospel is through inviting people into our church. I'm not saying that, but man, inviting people to church is an easy one. That's the easy one. Look at us. We're an awesome community. I love St. John. I would love for more people to come in here and feel the love from these people, from all of you. It's been wonderful being a part of it. I have definitely, Chris and I, have absolutely been a recipient of God's love through the people here at St. John. Our witness is a personal one. When we accept Christ for who he is, and then we accept who we are through Christ, we realize all the goodness of God. We realize all the goodness that God has done in our community. And then we can start sharing that with other people. Start talking about the specifics of how God has moved and worked in our lives. If this makes you a little nervous about offering hope and being an evangelist and taking on that call that God has called us into. I want us to start easy. We, of course, have the class, the Act Discipleship class, that I definitely want to invite you into. If you want to learn more about what it is, actually being a disciple means, we're going to start that up, and a couple new ones in October. But also, let's, let's take it. I love a challenge. I love a good challenge. Anybody else out there competitive? Let's invite at least one person this week to church. Just one. 
just one person into this wonderful community. And you may strike out. Absolutely. They may say no. We can't be afraid of that because you never know how the Holy Spirit is going to move. You never know what opportunity, what person God is going to put in our path that's already been having this tug on their heart, wondering and questioning who this God is that people talk about all the time. Who is this Jesus? You never know when your invitation could be the one that works. So how do we do that? How do we offer this hope? Tom's going to tell us how. You know, the how-tos of uh, reaching out, offering hope, uh, really may go a long way toward uh, helping us to overcome the tentative nature of, uh, of that exercise for us. Uh, to, to just have a, a couple of things uh, in the hip pocket that uh, will, will encourage us to, to step forward. And, and every step that we make in offering hope will be a step of faith. It should be that way. Christ would, would have it no other way that we're not stepping out in our own energy, but that we're, uh, we're holding fast in the very power that God seeks to lay upon our lives as we offer hope. Now, when it comes to evangelism, there are all sorts of books. When it comes to the how-tos of uh, reaching out, of offering hope, the Bible uh, clearly weighs in on that, and we could do that Bible study and, and spend the, the rest of our day doing that, but we've already highlighted a couple of passages that will really help us in, uh, in overcoming that cautious nature of reaching out. Paul, in uh, writing to Timothy, you know, when he talked about being prepared in and out of season, said we, we need to, uh, to share with, with great patience and careful instruction. Great patience and careful instruction. Patience uh, is a virtue, particularly, particularly when it comes to, to outreach. We, we never need to just effectively bombard another person's life with all this. Uh, as a good friend of mine used to say, we don't need to just come rushing in like a herd of turtles. I always wondered what that meant, but I think it means just kind of just pressing forward and kind of being that sort of an, an intrusive uh, presence in the life of another person. There's no doubt, though, that there is a sense of uh, urgency to what we're, uh, we're talking about today. You know, we're, we're talking about the salvation of another person's soul and having the deep and distinct honor of being used by God to be present in the life of that person, to, to share the, the things that that God is doing in our lives to share that, that witness and, and, and pray that, that God would be, uh, be fast at work in the life of, the, of that person. In other words, leaving the results up to God. So when we, uh, when we talk about patience, it's important to develop relationships. You know, that's really the key. The most effective outreach, if we were to summarize all this how-to stuff, it would be get in relationship with other people, and in effect, earn the right to be able to, to, to lean into their lives. Earn the right to, to be present and to share 
And in earning that right, uh, you'll, you'll be heard. And in that hearing, hopefully there'll be that right response. So we all need to be in, in relationship with those who are around us. And like Havel said, we need to walk across the room, quite honestly, to some that are, that are outside our, our, our sphere of influence, outside our circle of friends and family, to, to maybe uh, in, um, in God's power to reach out to somebody that is wholly different than ourselves, yet trusting that, that God will will help us in the building of that relationship and will provide the right time for us to, uh, to share. We, uh, we do well to be patient. Maybe we should say that, that we need to be urgently patient, which is another way of saying that we need to be well-intentioned. Outreach is best done in the context of relationship. And as we develop those relationships, let's always look for the cue to lift up the good news, the hope that is in Jesus. Paul uh, also in, uh, encourages us not only to be, to be patient, but, but also to offer careful instruction. If we're not clear about our witness... And you know, I've, I've heard it said that we, we need to be able to, to put our witness down in, in, in basically a half a sheet of paper. We need to be able to do it in, in a minute, if not a couple of minutes at most. You know, people will begin to, to turn us off. Let them ask the questions. Let, let, let them share. Let them uh, respond as, as we share. But, but do that uh, carefully and clearly so that there's not a muddled message, but one that is clear Offering the hope of, of Christ, we'd, be do, we'd do well to offer our witness simply and confidently as God leads. When it comes to offering hope, we, we also uh, read from uh, 1 Peter. Peter says we need to, uh, to share the hope that is within us with uh, gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Gentleness, as, as uh, most of us would know, is a, is a fruit of the Spirit. I'm of the mind that, that, that people have a way of, of sensing that gentleness. And gentleness has a, a sort of a winsomeness to it. it. It has an attractional quality. People respond to, to gentleness rather than, than those that are always so, so gruff. We are to uh, offer the hope that is within us with gentleness. It's simply hard to make headway being overbearing. Being overbearing will, will run the risk of turning somebody off. Clarity gets the message across. Clear instruction. Gaining the respect of people comes from a life well lived. You know, we could, we could stand on any soapbox, stand on any mountaintop, and proclaim the good news of Jesus, but if our lives are not measuring up, then it is going to fall short each and every time. Gaining the respect of people comes from a life well lived. And a big part of that is, is integrity. People are certainly a lot more uh, at a place of responding when to, to our efforts when uh, what we do matches up with what we say. 
St. Francis of Assisi uh, offered this really famous quote, the deeds you do may be the only sermon some people will hear today. Hear that. Hmm. The deeds you do may be the only sermon somebody may hear today. There are variations on, on that quotation. Uh, you're the only Bible that some people will ever read. You're the only Jesus. Now, this is compelling. It's also very challenging. You are the only Jesus some people will ever see. We are Christ's person in, uh, in this life. We are in Christ. Christ works through us. Christ's light shines through us. We are the only Christ that some people may ever see. Hope and expressing that hope is best done by example. The way we live is always instructive. So we, uh, we find ourselves today considering some how-tos of, of patience, of uh, careful instruction, of, of being, uh, of being uh, gentle, and then, of course, uh, gaining respect of those who are around us. Actions really do speak louder than words. They really do. But there is nothing like a well-placed word to give definition to what we're trying to get across. My partner in crime over here has a special gift of that. He impresses me with his word usage. <laughs> Peter writes that we need to keep a clear conscience and maintain good behavior in Christ. So what does that mean, and how does that play out in our lives, to have this clear conscience and this good behavior in Christ? Well, I'll ask some questions. When we wake up, where does our mind go? Does it go to the million things we have to do today? Or does it go to the Christ, to Jesus, who's going to help us get through all of that? When we get in our cars, what do we listen to? Now, I'll admit, sometimes I listen to some stuff that I probably shouldn't listen to when I'm in the mood. But most of the time, especially when I have the kids in the car, I listen to stuff about Jesus because, hey, I love hearing my kids sing and say the name Jesus. Although one day we did try that and so Colin said, I don't like Jesus. I don't like Jesus. <laughs> well, we got some work to do with that one. <laughs> when we are by ourselves, in whom do we dwell? In whom do we dwell? Are we thinking and trying to abide in Christ? Or are we thinking about ourselves more than him? Where do our thoughts go? Are they pure? Are they good? Are they, are they in the word? Or are they of the world? And what are we worshiping? Who are we worshiping? A good question for this is where is our time being spent? The more time we spend in other things, that's probably where our worship is going instead of in God. Who are we abiding in? Now, we've heard the saying, don't miss the forest for the trees, but in this situation, I want to say, don't miss the trees for the forest. We get so overwhelmed by the magnitude of this responsibility of evangelism. Like I said, people leave it up to the professionals. It's such a big thing. We just don't know enough. How in the world are we going to be able to share this when there's so much to know and there's so many different ways of saying it? How do we do this partnership in Christ? How do we live out as disciples? 
Well, it's really about the small stuff. It really is about the small stuff. A book called Tipping Point talks about a time in New York City when the crime had gotten so bad, they decided to take on what was called the broken window theory of criminology. I am not by any means a criminologist, but this seemed really cool to me. So in the 1980s, New York City had seen a huge increase in crime. And so they took on this broken window uh, theory of criminology and, and started focusing on the broken windows. Now here was the thought. If in a neighborhood there was a broken window that hadn't been fixed, people would start to think, well, they don't care which means nobody's in charge, which means I can probably get by with a lot. So the police officers in New York City actually started working on broken windows and fixing them. And I'm sure a lot of them thought, why in the world are we spending our time doing this when there are much bigger crimes, more serious crimes happening? But when they did that, they started seeing an e a, de a decrease, a huge decline in the severity of the crime that was happening and in the quantity of the crime. The small things really make a difference. They really make an impact in the great scheme of things. Don't ever underestimate how big of an impact you could have on someone's life by simply providing a meal or a gift card. In my instance, nobody wants a meal from me. <laughs> how special a kind word or a thoughtful question or a card might be to someone who is struggling even when you don't know they are. But they've just been laid on your heart in some way. And so you've just taken that next step. Don't assume that they won't accept that bottled water or that $5 or that $10 because they've turned you down before. And don't think someone won't appreciate a good hug even though we've just come out of a pandemic. Do the work of an evangelist. We're told in 2 Timothy 4-5. You are loved. You are a child of God. This week, make it your prayer that God will provide you an opportunity to share that news with someone else so that they can live in that same truth of love and hope. Together in prayer. Blessed God, we... Uh... We thank you so very much for your call upon our lives. We do not take that lightly. We, uh, we seek to be at, at, uh, at your uh, beck and call. We pray, Lord, that you help us today, move in our hearts to take seriously your call to each of us to uh, offer hope to those who are around us. We thank you for the hope that is in us. We pray that we live lives that are indeed hopeful, all on account of your great work in us and through us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, we pray that uh, we look for opportunities to be in relationship. Lord, we pray that we look for opportunities to, uh, to live out the gospel. Lord, we pray that we uh, look for opportunities to speak that good word of hope to those who are around us. So God, touch us, bless us, and use us as you would see fit. This prayer we make in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.